Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Good morning again, PMC Beyond. Uh, Today's scripture reading comes from John 14. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John 14, John 14. I'm going to be reading from the NIV today, and uh, Jesus is comforting his disciples. John 14, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you Take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus famously answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now let's jump down uh, to verse uh, 25. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. In verse 25, Jesus says, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. This is God's word, reading from the gospel according to John, John chapter 14. There we go. Our Father, Abba Father in heaven, may the glory of your name be the centerpiece of our lives. We ask that you manifest your kingdom reality in our lives today. Cause every single one of your purposes to be filled on earth just as it is in heaven. Father, we look to you. We count our blessings one by one. We acknowledge that you, Abba Father, you are a good provider, our provider. And you give each one of us what we need. We ask that you would give us our bread. You would sustain us physically, spiritually, and emotionally. We pray for those who are in lack today. We pray for those who are ill and struggling. We ask that you would bring the provision of healing 
to their lives. Father, we need you. We need your kingdom presence to invade our lives every single day. May we learn from you today. May you draw us in to this wonderful kingdom reality that's not just something supernatural, but something that is natural and and lived out in our lives today. May we experience this already not yet kingdom, this this hope-filled Christian experience. We want to be drawn in to this. We want to learn. We want to transform. We want to be like your son, Jesus. Fill us up with your transformative, gracious Holy Spirit. We turn our ears to you. May we listen well today. Amen. PMC Beyond, today we are being introduced to the concept of shalom. Shalom is a Hebrew word, and we typically translate shalom as peace. But really, our word for peace doesn't completely satisfy the translation, because shalom is a big container of a word. It is a complex word, and we need like a paragraph to translate it, to define it, to to describe it. Shalom comes from a, a, a Hebrew root word that means whole or complete. And shalom is also connected to the root word for perfection. Okay, and so when we talk about shalom, it's not just simply peace, but shalom represents a big idea. Shalom represents an ideal state of complete peace. And what's great about shalom is that it doesn't have a dark side. It is always used in a positive sense. Shalom refers to a positive situation, whether it is safety and security, prosperity, well-being, health, and so on. Shalom is a positive word. And naturally, it is an, this ancient word is used as a greeting. Shalom, hello, or shalom, goodbye. Okay, And just about every major Jewish blessing and prayer, it concludes with a request for shalom. A quick example is from Numbers 6, 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Now this Shalom idea. The big idea about shalom, it stems from our creator God. Our triune God has shalom within God's self. And I believe when God created all things, the original creation was shalomic. I believe that. But here's the thing. As we look around today, we clearly see something went wrong. And so, hey, let's, let's open our Bibles to Genesis uh, chapter 1, uh, first, first couple verses of our, of our Bibles, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to take a look at verses 1 to 4 here. Um, and actually, I have a couple different passages to, 
to, to use today uh, for, for our conversation. Uh, but in Genesis chapter 1, uh, it begins like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And so for our purposes today, I would like to really slow down, like, like super slow down and really ponder verse 2. Okay, Let's slow down where it says, the earth was formless and empty. The earth was formless and empty before light breaks in. As we slow down with Genesis 1-2, we get a glimpse of what reality is like before light arrives. Things are formless and empty. The Hebrew words here are tohu wabohu. Tohu wabohu. And other words that we can use to translate here are words like waste and void, without order, chaos, idle. And it also says darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. In ancient times, the sea was symbolic for chaos, and we don't, we don't want to miss that symbolism there. Tohu wabohu, formless and empty. Formless and empty. Are there any areas in your life that seem empty, formless, chaotic? Do you see tohu wabohu in the news, on social media, in films and television? Back to Genesis, in Genesis uh, 1, verse 3, God speaks good news. Let there be light. Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light, and he saw the light, and it was good. Now, keeping it simple for us this morning, life before God breaks in with light can be described as tohu wabohu. It's formless, void, empty, chaotic. God brings his good light. And as we move through the creation story, God gets to the point where he's able to look at everything that he's made, and it's very good. And on the seventh day, God takes a rest. God's shalomic world is all set. He has humans, his image bearers. You know, he, he calls them to be stewards and guardians of this place. But then... As the Bible teaches, sin enters the world in Genesis chapter 3. And as we all know, or most of us know, sin ruins any type of shalomic reality. Sin makes flourishing seem out of reach. Wholeness is disrupted. Vocation becomes hard and challenging. But we also find out that sin isn't just a human problem. There is just alienation everywhere. Sin alienates us from God. Sin alienates us from each other. We are alienated from the rest of creation, and we are even alienated within ourselves. Human 
fragmentation happens, our anthropology, our human development, our human experience, our nervous systems, our attachment process, our inner sense of security, it is all hindered and distorted by sin. And so if we take a look at all of these relationships, relationships with God and with each other and with the world, in short, divorce ends up being a good metaphor to use to explain what's, what's happening within our relationships. Divorce. Hmm. Hey, Nora. Hi there. As, as humanity multiplied, so does this moral disease of, of sin with all of its symptoms, it's, it's different layers. It rears its ugly head in so many different ways. Uh, and, and, and sin just gives us these oppressive results. Okay, Sin multiplies. Humanity uh, is, is multiplying. And, and we can only imagine what the world was like before the flood story. And so now just turn a couple pages over uh, to Genesis chapter 6. God sees that the wickedness of humanity is widespread. Every inclination of the human mind, uh, it was just evil all the time, okay? God actually regrets making humanity. He grieves deeply, and he is so moved to follow through with a flood. God sees, he regrets, and grieves. However, a man named Noah found favor in the eyes of God. So the flood story happens. You can read about it in Genesis 6 and 7 and 8. Uh, the flood story is a distressing and violent story, but perhaps through Noah and his family, humanity can, can be a, a fresh start. Noah, I believe his name means rest. So now turn to Genesis chapter 8. The world is covered in, in watery depths. And, and, and you know, we, we look already again, um, already into the story of the Bible. It's like we're looking for God to break in with, with good news. And God does break forth good news. God brings a message of peace. After the flood, I find it very interesting. God actually makes a covenant with the earth before he did with, with humans. Noah builds an altar to God. Uh, in verse 21, when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, he said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of human beings, even though the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward. And I will never again strike down every living thing as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night will not cease. God makes peace with the earth. God makes peace with the earth. But did you notice God's comment about humanity? The inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward. Humans are bent towards evil. We have a sin problem. And the good news is God has a plan to put things back together. 
God has a plan ultimately to reunite all things back together. And we're skipping over a big portion of the story, but ultimately he does this through the work of Jesus. Jesus is a new and better Noah. God has a plan to bring everything together through Jesus. Our sin issue is met by Jesus on the cross. We have redemption and forgiveness of sins through Jesus's blood. Jesus's shed blood. And now uh, let's jump to the New Testament, Ephesians chapter one. We'll pick up some of the theological thought. Paul is wrestling with this as he writes this letter to the Ephesian church. Ephesians chapter one. Uh, Let's take a look at verses seven to 10 here. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. Now, really check out verses 9 and 10 here. 9 and 10. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. God's hidden mystery in history has been unveiled. God is uniting all things under the headship of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? In this passage, there is a fancy Greek word, and I think it's very meaningful to share it with you. I'm not going to try to uh, say it today. I'll throw it up here on the, the screen. You'll, you can take a look at it there. Uh, but this, this word, uh, it's a word that means to summarize, to bring together under one head. It's actually a mathematical word, the, the total sum of a, of a string of numbers or like a number that gathers up all the numbers, right? Like that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is gathering up every part of the universe. Or let me put it this way. Everything that was divided by sin, Jesus brings the divided parts back together. If divorce is a metaphor that we can use to describe what happened because of the wide effects of sin, the good news is Jesus is healing that like relationality divorce. He is healing the the alienation. And someday when we see the marriage of, of heaven and earth, Again, a, a new heaven and a new earth. We, we see that, and then Jesus is at the center. It's a message of, of hope that the Bible gives us, that, that Jesus is going to make all things new. Now, in relation to this, this fancy Greek word, uh, recapitulation is, is a word that, that stems from it. Uh, to recapitulate is to rehead. And so as we think about shalom, we see Jesus. And everything is going to be brought together and summed up in him. All of reality, heaven and earth, spiritual and material, supernatural and natural, Jesus is and will bring all things together back into one harmonious household. Jesus is reheading the universe, okay? Well, as good evangelicals, we 
we know that Jesus went to the cross and we have Easter and, and all of that. But, you know, there's still poverty and malnutrition and political unrest and there's civil wars and there's refugees and, 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 and there's still, you know, greed everywhere. Bashing is happening on social media. There's modern day slavery, sex trafficking, earth degradation, water pollution, broken and hurting relationships. We we dehumanize people, uh, loneliness and depression, people suffering from crushing self-esteem. There's still pain. There's still emptiness. There's still chaos in this world. And so we have to think, okay, what if what if in the middle of, like we have the good news, we have the cross and empty tomb, right? But what if there was more? What if in the middle of all of this, God could drop an institution into this soup? What if God had an entity in this world that could help respond and bring shalomic language and vision to the situation? And help turn the conversation. What if God had a special society within society proper for his purposes? He does. It's us, the church. And to use uh, recapitulation language, reheading language, the church is filled with Christians who have been reheaded. Now, how does God rehead the human life? He does this in our heart, not by force, but by free, freely offering forgiveness of sins. And he empowers us with the Holy Spirit to bring about life change. And this is what discipleship is all about. The discipling process is the inbreaking of God's shalom, back into the human heart, into the human mind, into the human life. Jesus is in the business of reheading, recapitulation. He is he is re <laughs> he he is he is there, there is a, a new marriage of all these divided parts within ourselves. Jesus is is healing that. That's the sanctification process. He takes our personality and our skills and our gifts and our graces uh, and, and, and the thing and, and our identities and, and the things that we're confused about and the questions and the doubts and the things we struggle with. Like, like Jesus is there. The Holy Spirit is bringing things back together. That's the sanctification process. That's what discipleship is and that's what what Christians are uh, invited to do to have this responsibility to walk with Jesus to take him by the hand and say yes Jesus like I want to be healed I I want to uh, be remade in your image I want your shalom to break into my life every single day and in order for there to be shalom that means everything that is not shalom needs to be addressed, thrown away, or reheaded, repurposed. And one of my favorite verses uh, is, is, is Mark 1.15. It's a summary of Jesus' teachings. Jesus says, The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The time is ripe 
people. The time is ripe. We don't need to mess around in tohu wabohu. Don't, don't worry about tohu wabohu on the news, just in your own life, in your own world. God's kingdom is, is breaking in into your own life. Like an early morning sunrise, the, the light of Jesus is breaking in. And so PMC Beyond, along with me, you are invited into this process of repentance and belief. Repent and believe the, the good news, Jesus says. So as we, as we think about shalom and the inbreaking of, of the kingdom, of this shalom-shaped reality where Jesus is the head of all things, a disciple is a lifelong learner where each day we are seeking the kingdom his righteousness. We seek the shalom of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus is on the trajectory of wholeness, of completeness, of perfection. Maybe not, you know, it's it's not going to happen all at once. And it's not even going to happen in this lifetime, but we are on a shalom-shaped trajectory where each day, We're invited to seek this out. Where Jesus shows us how to to pray. Jesus shows us how to treat others. How to think about money. Jesus teaches us about a lot of things. Even how to think about rest and recreation and so on. We are students of Jesus. And ultimately, we look to Jesus, we, we look to God. God is the source of shalom. And I do believe Jesus can bring harmony and peace and healing, shalom, back into situations. It's not always easy. It's not always pretty. But I do believe God can mend our world. I believe that because resurrection happened. Resurrection is God saying, I can do something new in the middle of something that is traumatic and painful. The trauma of death couldn't hold down Jesus, right? God can mend this world. And circling around resurrected Jesus is his church, his bride, a new humanity, A new humanity that has been freed from sin for shalom-shaped mission. And one more passage that I would like to take you to is John 20. John 20, verses 21 and 23. Uh, Jesus is resurrected at this point in the story, uh, and he's visiting with his disciples. And Jesus says this, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. There is no need for chaos. Peace be with you. And Jesus, he he breathes on them, the Holy Spirit, 
the same Spirit of God that was hovering over the surface of the waters is being breathed out over the disciples. And Jesus, he, he sends them out, wrapped up in peace. Now, a key feature, a key feature to being a shalomic church with a shalomic mission. You ready? It's forgiveness. Forgiveness. And it's not fair to just drop that out on you right now because we don't have time to talk about forgiveness. Um, but forgiveness, it turns out, is a big part of what makes God's peace possible. Jesus bestows to his church the authority to forgive sins. And there's so much to uh, there's so much to say about forgiveness, right? But Jesus, he is in the business of healing and bringing shalom back into the lives of everyday people. And so the question is, how do we live in light of all of this? How do we live in light of all of this? How do we imagine God's shalomic mission through the church? I invite you to come back next week as we continue this conversation, as we can continue to look at the marks of a shalom-shaped church. We'll see you next week. God bless.